been to the Zoom meetings before, but uh, it may be the first time we've met, yes. I can hear you. Who, who is singing? Noah Aronson. Ah, Noah Aronson. Um, you know, that was sung by uh, Craig Tubman who is still in the business anyway, beautifully also, an inspiration for all. And I want to introduce- I don't know if you know of him, but- I want to introduce Rosalind to Jackie Gamash. Jackie is a fellow friend here in San Diego and a major macher in the Jewish Holocaust world. She uh, sponsors programs at the uh, Foundation in Los Angeles, but she's working out of here. And welcome- Cannot hear you. What's that? You can you hear all of us? I can hear you. Okay, I I got it. Again. I lost the I lost the uh, video for a while, but I'm there. Hi, Estelle. I know Estelle from uh, our own meetings here in Oregon. Ah, okay. Well, Estelle, we're going to have everyone introduce themselves uh, shortly. But uh, uh, um, so Mrs. Wolf, if you can change. Do you know how to change your name on your? Um, you're now seen as Sam Wolf, and we want to get your right name in there. Yeah. How, how do we do that? How, how you do that is it? If you go to the three dots, um, you see the three dots next to the top right of your tile. Uh, on the very top right of the tile. Are, you should have a mute and then it should be three three dots. Do you see that? You had them two minutes ago. Be right back. My glasses are closed. Um, my gentleman, my husband's computer, because mine wasn't signing in. Well, it, should, it should be at the very on the tile that you're staring at. Right. Very, oh, I see right there. Okay, perfect. Three dots. Click, yes. that, click that, and then you'll see it says rename. Rename. Perfect. And you just type in your name. Thank you. You're, you're now taking out your husband, which is something you maybe wanted to do for a long time. So it's, if I only knew it was this easy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have we have um, 21 people signed up for today's program. So 
I don't know. We should just wait a little longer and then um, we'll start because uh, I certainly want to get started. But I want to try to get as many people in as possible. But we can start talking among ourselves. And um, Sally, maybe you could tell us where you're from and a little bit about you. Okay. Um, I'm actually, I live in Channel Islands, California, um, which is about an hour away from Los Angeles. Um, my family's from Czechoslovakia. Both of my parents are survivors. Um, I'm so glad you're doing this because um, about a couple of years ago, I I was it really made sense that there's something different about myself and my family, and I'm just noticing more and more. So I actually wrote a book about it well, called The Survivor's Legacy. Why don't you put that in chat so we all can know? Okay. Uh, you, yeah. see, you know how you can do that? It's on the chat on the yeah, very bottom. Right there. Yeah. I'll do that after. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, I know that there's there's a difference. Um, interviewing people for my book, I, I realized my, my differences were more emotional, keeping my feelings inside. But a lot of people had a lot worse than I did. There's a lot of violence, um, a lot of anger, because how can, how can our parents not be angry? Um, yeah, I, I think it's great. So we're going to start, I'll be, the, I'll be the kickoff. We have more people coming in as we continue, but I, I want to try to use as much time. I want to also let you know that my voice normally doesn't sound this way. I had nasal surgery last mm. week, which has really thrown me through a loop. Um, mm. I'm going to try to conserve my voice as much as possible, which means I hope that all of you will speak as much as possible. And I have recruited my friend Jackie because Jackie knows she doesn't have any, uh, she's very, uh, not a passive person. So I know that she will be able to speak and, and keep things moving if I run out of voice today. So I'm going to introduce myself first. I'm Jeffrey Geisner. And I founded uh, the Jewish Culture and Holocaust Remembrance Group in 2021. Um, I, during COVID, uh, I spent a long time, uh, the first year of COVID in 2020, uh, trying to understand what was happening to me. And ever since I was a little kid, when I was in the fifth grade, was the first time that I knew that something wasn't right because the teacher separated the good kids from the bad kids and put me in the back of the class as one of the bad kids and I refused to go to school. And my mother, which is very interesting, uh, Sally, my mother was, and my mother's family was from Kosice, Czechoslovakia. My mother was, is that the same as Kishnitsa? No, no. Okay. K-O-S-I-C-E, Kosice. Okay. It's, a, it's a pretty distance. It's about an hour change from Prague. And hi, Ruth. Nice to have you on board. And hi, Tina. We're coming up to you. And so I... Um, my whole life, my parents never spoke. My father was also escaped Nazi Berlin in 1935 at age 16, at age 15. And all along, they've never ever spoken to us about their Holocaust experiences. And so ever since the fifth grade, I've been suffering from weird stuff that I never could identify. And I thought I was all alone most of my life. And it became um, important for me uh, to a friend of mine, I moved to San Diego in retirement in 2019, introduced me to my wife, who's not a second gen, 
to the San Diego Generations of Shoah group. And there was the first time that I uh, realized that I wasn't alone, that other people, parents didn't speak and other parents did speak. And it sort of uh, put me on a quest to lean in to my uh, Holocaust trauma because I knew something was wrong with me, but I never could put a, a label on it. And ever since 2020, I've been working diligence, diligently to uh, create programming that brings this issue to it, brings it out because it's not well known. And so I'm thrilled and honored to have all of you with us. There'll be more probably joining shortly um, to discuss. And this is really what I want our meetings to do. And I'm, I'm gonna look to you to be uh, to to talk about you, uh, your situation, to be totally comfortable speaking about how you feel. We have two survivors, my good friends, uh, friend Jackie Gamash is on the top. Why don't you wave, Jackie, so we get to see you, who you are. I'll get to you in a second. Wave, wave, Jackie, Jackie, wave, 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 wave. Okay, and Ruth Lindemann is on the bottom there. Hi. Both of them are survivors with us today, so they'll also provide. You're also a survivor? Infant survivor. Oh, perfect. That's so nice to know that. So that's terrific. And um, so I started the group in 2021 on Facebook, and I never thought anybody would really be interested in what I'm talking about or what I am presenting. And we now have over 7,000 people worldwide. And I've built several different platforms, as you can tell, um, to bring these issues forward. And uh, my colleague, uh, Dr. Dana Schrager, and I do a program called Into the Light, inter, um, Surviving, Managing Intergenerational Survivor Trauma. We do one a year in, in September and October. And they have literally been seen by a thousand people so far. Uh, so it's mm -hmm. one of the most amazing programs. So I decided that the next step, because what I do these programs and then what's next? And this to me could be what's next. We'll decide that after today's session, how we want to collectively go forward. So I'm going to go right across the top of the tile. I'm going to introduce Jackie again. Jackie, why don't you tell us about you, about your background, you're a survivor. Uh, and uh, I know you don't necessarily consider yourself a survivor, but for Today's purposes will dump you in that bucket. So go ahead, Jackie. Yes. Uh, um, introducing myself, I was born in uh, Tunisia, grew up over there, a traditional religious family. I went to France to study, and I study physics and chemistry, and I faced some situation of anti-Semitism over there as a student. Uh, surprising uh, because it was 1958 and it was already there. Enfin, it always had been there. Then I fell in love with Israel. I wanted to live in Israel, but I ended up uh, by spending time with uh, going back to France, meeting my husband, who is a hidden child. And you, you can notice that I don't call him a child survivor because I'm using a, a little bit of the European language. He, is a, he was a hidden child and was saved by a Christian family. And uh, we finally end up in Montreal for a while, went back to Tunis with a three little, to France with three little kids and uh, come, came uh, to San Diego 
in a week, which has been <laughs> a difficult process for me, San Diego. Okay, this is my personal life very fast. Uh, I, uh, I wrote my memoir and I, I will put uh, the title in the chat uh, and I just published a novel about love. And why do I mention the love novel? Is because I think uh, we are in a world of fear, in a world of uh, um, unfortunate and traumatic situation talking about trauma. And I think we have to take I really believe that we have to take uh, our education. If we want to make the better world that Elivizel is mentioning, we want to review and adjust. What do I mean by that? Um, Jeffrey knows I don't see myself as a Holocaust survivor. I, uh, I was in Tunisia. I had a very little experience. Uh, uh, where I could have put my family in danger when I was only two years old. And one day I will tell you the story, it doesn't matter. But I think it's very important that we use the right vocabulary. We, I work, uh, uh, I am part of the Shoah Foundation when I created the collection of uh, what we call MINA, that means the Middle East, North Africa testimonies. And I did 40 of them. Uh, referring to people who were in Morocco, in Tunisia, or in Iraq, but from the Arab countries during the war. And I think that there is no way we can identify our suffering to the suffering of Europe. That's the reason I was very determined to have the Shoah Foundation accepting that as a collection, or a new collection, uh, like they have the Armenian collection uh, of the Armenian Genocide or Darfur or Rwanda. Uh, I, uh, I develop a number, I don't know how, um, one more minute, two more minutes, or forever. I can talk forever, as you know. No, I can, but I can't have you talk forever. But tell us, I know okay. you're going into We Are the Tree of Life, and I think that's okay. okay. But before the Tree of Life, uh, I, I, I have uh, been hired at the Jewish Community Center of San Diego, where I, I developed a number of uh, Holocaust programs, and that was probably 25, uh, 30, 30 years ago. And those programs, uh, which were very cultural, had the objective to teach about Holocaust education and teach about the Holocaust. And recently, of uh, recently, it's almost from the two, 2018, and that's what I am working on just now, is uh, was the, the awful situation of the Tree of Life of Pittsburgh. And I was honestly devastated, devastated. I, I couldn't understand, being an immigrant of this country, how in a short time awful experiences like that can happen and can exist and america is a country of well, what for four five six generations of immigrants and i come from tunisia i come from france and i know the history there the history of the Arab jews the story of the european jews but how that be possible and what I tried to do, and I say, if that's the case, I have to educate my granddaughter, who was then 10 years old. And uh, I was trying to explain to her what is the Holocaust, why we are living today, even those tragedies. 
And uh, finally, uh, she came up with a symbol of a tree of life. Maybe later, I will show it to you. I love music and I love dancing, by the way. Um, and uh, I develop what we are. We are the tree of life. Okay, so I'm going to hold and you. It is a... I'm going to stop you there because I want to get some other people talking. So okay. we'll come back. We'll be plenty of time to really. Okay. And Rosalind, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, Rosalind is an infant survivor. We just learned. Uh, so please tell us about where you are. Your, where are you? Uh, where are you? How you came to the United States? Whatever you want to chat, tell us because everyone wants to learn more about you. Well, like, uh, well, thank you, uh, Jeffrey. But like Jacqueline, I hesitate to call myself a survivor. It's a label that I'm really not very comfortable with um, because I was too young to remember anything of the horrors. I didn't really experience the horrors, although I have, through intergenerational trauma, of course, have experienced my parents' experiences in a way. But um, I feel that I've had a great life. I was uh, a retired uh, counselor and therapist uh, for 35 years, a forensic expert witness at federal he hearings for decades. Um, I'm an artist. I'm a writer. Those are the labels that I'm most comfortable with. And um, I've written a, a memoir. I think I posted it on chat with uh, that describes my parents' experiences, and um, and I speak about their experiences during the Holocaust. I was born in Lutz, Poland, just prior to the end of the war. Uh, I was um, <clears throat> from uh, Lutz. Uh, my parents and I traveled to uh, Heidenheim, Germany, where we lived under the American flag, as opposed to staying in Poland, where we would have been under Russia. We did not want, my parents did not want to live under Russian rule. So uh, we um, emigrated to uh, Heidenheim, Germany. And from there, we were on a ship uh, called the Ernie Pyle, which was a warship that started sinking into the ocean after we boarded. <laughs> so we had to get off that ship and, and uh, the metaphor is striking to me, the sinking ship, but we had to get off that ship and we boarded the Marine Marlin where, uh, which arrived safely at Boston Harbor. Uh, from there, uh, we uh, transported to Chicago. So I've lived in two continents, uh, three countries, two cities before I was two years old. We arrived in Boston Harbor on my second birthday, exactly. And um, as I said, we moved to Chicago and then we moved to, from there we moved to Skokie, Illinois. I don't know if everybody's anybody's heard of it, but Skokie made yeah. the news big time. Uh, and my father was one of the founders of that group that kept the Nazis out of Skokie. So I have a proud legacy and I'm very proud of my parents. They escaped from a concentration camp in Estonia. So uh, my mother was the only woman to escape with uh, 19 men. So um, uh, I have much to be proud of and uh, very grateful for the life that I've had. Uh, it, it's been um, mostly a life of pure joy because of the fact that I do art and I love what I do. And I think the art has also been my therapy 
So I was able to keep from going totally insane and in a, a little bit of a crazy household. Um, my parents were survivors. Obviously, they uh, that is wrought with some of the uh, descriptions that we often hear about survivors. Um, they had, you know, a lot of anger, a lot of pain, uh, grief, a lot of grief for the loss of family. And um, and and I sense that. And uh, I think I grew up wanting to help my parents and uh, keep them from feeling so sad, uh, although they didn't demonstrate that sadness. I mean, they also had a great deal of joy, a lot of parties and laughter. And But um, I, I did grow up with a sense of wanting to help them, which is probably why I became a counselor. And in, in a sense, uh, wanting to fix whatever the problem was. And of course, you cannot fix something like as big as the Holocaust. So. Uh, for the most part, um, I, I'm enjoying my life immensely. I don't dwell on the loss of the Holocaust. I tend to focus on what's joyful in my life, and which doesn't mean that I'm not aware of the tragedy. And, and I, I am a speaker for the Jewish Museum and for whoever wants to hear about the experience of the Holocaust. And I speak because uh, not only in respect to respect my family and to speak for the members that didn't have a chance to live to speak. But I'm also speaking because of the uh, naysayers who say the Holocaust never happened. And I'm also speaking because of the growing antisemitism that is happening globally. And uh, it's uh, hate has taken over and I speak to schools now and to anyone who listen that you cannot combat hate with hate. You have to fight hate with the opposite and with education and with speaking out. And uh, to me, words are powerful and so is silence. So on that note, I will end. Okay, well, thank you. And where, where are you located? If, if I didn't, I might've missed it. I'm in uh, Lake Oswego, Oregon, which is a suburb of Portland and just a little bit south of Portland, Oregon. And are you familiar and with Ruth, who was in Oregon, right? You I am. I'm familiar with Ruth, and I'm familiar with, where is Estelle? Did she leave? Uh, I don't see Estelle anymore, but she, I, both Estelle and Ruth are from Oregon. Yep. So let me turn it over to Sally. If you unmute yourself, Sally, and then we can hear some of your background, which is helpful for us to sort of uh, all feel comfortable knowing where we all are. Um, I'm, I, like I said earlier, I'm Sally. My maiden name is Farkas. Um, my parents are from Czechoslovakia. Um, both of my parents are survivors. I live in Channel Islands, which is about an hour away from Los Angeles. Um, I have two kids that I, my older son, I see my trauma has trickled down to his, which people don't realize that it continues on. Um, he has a lot of anxiety. Um, I have, I always tried to keep my feelings in from my parents because even though they never spoke about their experiences, I, like, like the other people said, I always knew there was something wrong. Um, it wasn't until I was older I realized and felt the loss that I never had grandparents. Growing up, I never even, it didn't occur to me that I was different until I got older and saw all my friends with grandparents. Um, 
My parents kept a tight hold on me. I mean, when I wanted to go away to college, I couldn't. Um, oh. I moved away to New York and I kept, you know, my father was like, when are you coming home? When is your fling going to be over? You need to be at home. Um, I, my parents were very, very loving, but like I say, I knew that there was something wrong and I never, I never wanted to tell my parents show any emotion. If, if I was happy, I wouldn't show my parents happiness because they didn't have a happiness. If I was sad, I didn't show my parents sadness because I knew deep down they had a lot of sadness in their lives. They didn't need anything more from their kids. Um, so that's carried on into my life and it, it's been a struggle and I'm really working on that. So when I see my kids or my husband, I don't ever leave them without saying, I love you. Um, my, they say that firstborn might have more emotional issues. My sister has been agoraphobic for 40 years. I think she got the brunt of it. Um, that's okay. my story. Okay, we'll come back. We will be more. And so our next uh, person to introduce is Sylvia. Nice to see you again, Sylvia. So perhaps you can share a little bit of, uh, about yourself. Can you hear me? I'm on my cell phone because no, I don't get video or audio. We can hear you fine. Okay. Uh, well, my parents are both from Lodz, Poland, and I grew up nonstop learning about the Holocaust. It was an obsessive thing with my mother, especially more than my father. My father had a great personality. My mother was the oldest of six kids. Uh, she was the only survivor, so felt guilt her whole entire life. Um, why me and not the rest? And uh, my father, my mother's father, my grandfather survived. They found each other a year after the war ended. And my father uh, had four other siblings and his parents died in the camp. So uh, his only, he only has one surviving brother. Now, of course, they're all dead because, you know, it's been years. They'd be a lot older now. Um, but, you know, I learned about the Holocaust growing up. I've read so many books. I'm, I still read a lot about World War II, and I love doing that reading. Uh, my mother spoke at a lot of schools, and when she used to come visit, I'm originally from Baltimore, so when she used to come visit me, we would speak at schools here in San Diego. Um, I am a member of the San Diego second generation group, but I don't feel, it's not that I don't feel welcome with them. I don't feel the connection because I'm from Baltimore. So I support them, but I had gone to a couple activities and then they all know each other and it's just not right for me. But I grew up totally separate from what Jeff Jeffrey grew up with. So there you have it. My parents are both from Lodge, but they didn't meet till after the war and displaced persons camp. Well, I, I got to say, Sylvia, I'm, a, I'm on the steering committee of the San Diego generations of the show. We have an event on the 18th, which is the Hanukkah party. If you come, I'll be there and I'll be your pal. So you well, I, actually, I won't. Thank you so much. But um, we have a house in the desert and uh, in a 55 and older community. And I will be there on the 18th. And I am leading 
the Hanukkah lighting for the whole community, which is Jewish and non-Jewish. So I have a, I have a lot of people coming counting on me, but thank you. <laughs> All right, Tina, you're next. So unmute yourself. Yeah, hi, Jeff. I think you missed in chat. I just wanted to know about the recording before I speak. What, what, why is it being recorded? I might have missed it because I, I couldn't okay, join. Well, I, I record everything and I haven't figured out what I'm going to do with this recording. If you're not comfortable recording, and I should ask everyone if they're uncomfortable with the recording, I only will use it in a positive educational purpose. But if you if it precludes you from disclosing anything, I'll shut the recording off. So I personally, I'm just not happy being recorded. But um, okay. I don't. If it, Before you go, I. And now, why don't you tell us a I little want, about yourself? I wanted to say something. Very no, fast. I, I want to give Carolyn a chance. Yeah, yeah, but it's regarding okay. the recording. I didn't raise my hand. I'm still okay. there because I think it's what's very important, and I will talk about that later. It's how it will be used and be transferred in many generations or the next generation to the kids. All right. Okay. Thank I you. Right. Go ahead, Carolyn. Um, well, I'm from London, um, and I'm actually in Jerusalem, in Israel now. Um, and I had a different, a different experience, but with trauma. I don't remember a time when I didn't know about the Holocaust. My father came from Germany, from Frankfurt, and he left in 1936, and he went back several times to rescue people um, with permits to leave Germany. And the last was in 1939 when the Gestapo came, and they missed him by half an hour from where he had been. And I was brought up knowing all of this, and I can't ever remember a time when I didn't know. And he was traumatized, not, we were all traumatized. My mother was English, her father came from Hungary, and his Hungarian relatives, some were lost, and some went on kinder transplant, transport to England and to Israel, Palestine, and a, a whole mixture of things. And my father was interned by the English, um, a month after the war began, and he was sent to the Isle of Man, sent first to the south of England, then returned home and then rearrested, and sent to the Isle of Man. And I looked, Tina was talking about the second generation group in England. And there's been, for me, an illuminating talks about the Isle of Man, that it wasn't just my father who was traumatized. And as I grew up as a small child, I'd ask at the local greengrocers, what was this vegetable and that vegetable? I didn't know the names and my mother wouldn't tell me we didn't have them in our home because that was what my father was given in the camp and he spent a year and a half there and I admire him for what he went through and it wasn't until his mid-90s that he could bear to talk about what really happened in the internment camp run by the British in the Isle of Man there were several of them and I remember as a small child, it's different growing up in London to America because I remember going on a bus up the double decker and you would see these huge bomb craters as you went along in the middle of London, huge bomb craters. So we all knew about the war, we all knew about the Germans and well, half my family was. And I never forget my father saying, um, when we began to pick up German, because my mother knew German, and we wanted to learn German. He said, I will not hear German coming out of the mouths of my children. And that was, that was the kind of 
upbringing and I understood him. I'm sad that I don't know German, but I can't understand bits, but I understand him. So it's, a, it's not that either parent was in a camp in Germany or Poland or anywhere, but we never knew what it meant to be in the internment camp in, in the Isle of Man. And he was absolutely traumatized. He, we had a loving childhood. I compared him to my husband, whose parents, you know, Jewish as well, but were both born in, in England. The huge difference of my upbringing, my childhood to his, when both his parents were born in, in London, in England, and mine, my father wasn't. And so it was trauma as a second generation person, appreciating my father's trauma that he lived with. I can say a lot more, but I think I don't know if everybody else there'll be, has talked. There'll be, there'll be time. So I'm going to turn it over to Devorah, who is a great pal. And Devorah is also a, uh, I don't, we'll call you a survivor, but you can rename it as anything that you want, but you are a survivor in my eyes. So go ahead, Devorah. Oh, thank you, Jeffrey. I call myself a keeper of the flame. Okay. Um, so, my parents got out of Czechoslovakia because my dad was a psychoanalyst and knew something. He was from Reichenberg, which is otherwise the Sudetenland of Czechoslovakia. Um, and he had been pushed down the stairs in medical school and had switched over to the Prague University. And when he met my mother, you know, uh, liberal Czechoslovakia was just amazing and you couldn't come to America if you were a Czech. But in the brief time that he became a German Jew, after the Munich Agreement and before Hitler marched into Prague, that was like six months, so in the middle, in January of 39, my parents were on a boat to America. And it's a much longer story than that, but suffice it to say, my dad knew, my mother didn't. My mother thought she was going on a vacation. It, very different perception. Um, I was born, well, let me start off. The Wansi Accord, that decided on the elimination of the Jews of Europe was in January of 39. No, 30, uh, January of, of 42. Nine months later, my grandparents were murdered in Treblinka. Two weeks after that, I was born. And I was born two weeks late. So I have come to the, to the feeling in my soul that I was late because I needed to get there, their nishama, I don't know, that, that I needed to take them in. So I, of course, never knew them. And yet I feel like Fritz and Ida, my grandparents, were always part of me. And I can't explain that. And I've tried, but it, it feels real. It feels like it, I, like some of you, I grew up without grandparents and yet I felt nurtured by them. 
Um, of course, my mother was in. Okay, so so then we go on from. So in 1942, my mother was writing to her parents in Terezin um, about me. She was sending them boat tickets. She sent them money. She sent them, uh, I don't know. Uh, she thought she had an address in Terezin. And in 1945, at the end of the war, I'm now three years old, Girta Schlosserova, the one surviving cousin, sent my mother a telegram that she was the only survivor. And my mother had a nervous breakdown. And my image, whether it's a memory or just a myth of a memory, but my truth is that my smile couldn't stop her tears. And that made me a problem child. I thought she was angry at me. I, I did not, I couldn't grieve my grandparents. I didn't know who they were. I, I feel guilty now. I felt guilty then. Um, every year on my birthday, I have three candles on my birthday. I need to keep reliving this year of when I was three, when my mother found out and her world fell apart. Um, sorry about the sun in my face. I don't know what to do about it. Um, I like to see the light, so go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I have spent my life turning three and now it's with 80 years of life experience, if you can believe it. So I'm actually just turned 80. Um, but I, so I'm an elder. I've been called an elder. Uh, I don't know where I was going, but I, as a gift to myself for my 80th birthday, I joined a group called teachtheshoah.org, I guess and did a video recording, a storytelling legacy project where I, which was a love letter to Fritz and Ida. I tried to transform this tragedy into a love story. And my oldest daughter, Sarah, who was the one who was most affected by my feeling of guilt, my my sadness, she said that she, until that moment, I, I had asked her to help me prepare this because she was the one who knew most and she was reluctant. But then when she actually, and she did give me some advice, but I didn't take it, her advice, because she was in a different mindset at that point than I was. And after she heard me talk, in fact, as part of the talk, you know, when we were, that people could reply actually on the video. Um, she said that this was the first time that she could think of Fritz and Ida with love instead of tears. Very nice. So I took this idea of intergenerational trauma and turned it into intergenerational love. It does not mean 
there's no trauma. It doesn't mean that I'm not aware that this is a tragedy and that this murder didn't affect me. It did. But adding the love piece um, is amazing. And thank you, Jeffrey. I sent you the video and you offered to put it on your YouTube and I will be very happy for that. Okay, so I want to um, switch gears a little bit, but I also want to let everyone know that if you've written your own memoir, please share it with the group in chat so that everyone, or the link that uh, Devorah is talking about. But I'm going to take you to uh, a piece of the film that I asked uh, some of all of you to, I'm not sure all of you were able to have time to get there, but I picked a piece of the film which was extremely emotional for me and I'm going to share it with you. Now, I'm not intending to have you uh, get emotional. I know it might trigger some emotions, It was, but let's just watch it, and then I have some questions for you to continue our discussions about this. So give me one second. I'm going to share my screen. Hold on a second. Oh, you'll, you'll get there. I'm glad you're telling me this now because you always put it down. Shelley, why an artist? It's not enough money. Well, that's, uh, that I put it down not because always. of art itself, but because of the struggle. Because it, it takes an awful lot of... Can you see the screen or no? Stamina and, oh. and power and, you know, to make it in the art world. I don't want to see you suffer in order to get somewhere. You asked me before, uh, why did I have to leave home? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Not you, you didn't have to. That's, that's... Why I had to. Why, you don't think I had to. Right. But I had to. <laughs> you didn't push me around. You just put everything down that I ever did. If I, if I wore red, why aren't you wearing blue? If I wore blue, why don't you wear red? Uh. If, I, if I talked on the phone, like, get off the phone. If I'm off the phone, why don't you call your friends up and go do something? What are you here for? And, you didn't mean harm, I'm sure of it, but the kid in me, the kid in me was having a hard time. You said you didn't want me to struggle. Well, do you think that it has anything to do with my past? When I was a kid, I cried. Why won't my mother help me? Why won't she be there when I need her? My friends from high school would say, boy, I wish I had your mother. Whenever I have a problem, I go right to her. You were there for people's problems. You were, you were very giving and very, but when I had a problem. Not now, I'm busy. Ask me later. I have to go to work. I plead guilty, yes. To not being there when I needed you? Yes, yes. But it had nothing to do with you. It had to do with my feelings. Because mentally, I wasn't ready to accept and love someone or something. Because through my experiences, Every time I loved someone or something, I lost it. Mm. I still lived every day like, did you ever see someone at a, a railroad station with a suitcase and going somewhere? Well, my life at that time, when I first got married and had children, I still was at a railroad station. 
still going somewhere, not knowing where. I know now that I was afraid to give my all. So I try to keep you at a distance so I wouldn't get hurt again. Because I went through loving my parents and losing them. All the people that I would be in camps with and love, the next day they were gone. In the camps you learn to just look out for number one. And you learn that you couldn't love because it would only destroy you. So even it, it carried off it. When I got married and had children, it, it actually carried over that feeling of, you know, if I love too much, I'm going to lose them. I love you. <laughs> Okay, we're back. Sorry, I couldn't get the video to work, but I certainly heard the voice. So I'm going to ask each of you uh, to comment on what brought you to our session today in, in a more specific way. And what are you trying to gain from being in the group? And I'm intending to run the group uh, consecutively, and we're going to try to figure out how much time um, and, and how much frequency we're going to spend here together. So I'll start with uh, Rosalind, who's, uh, and I want to kind of understand why you're here today and what was your goal and mission and what do you want to get from the group? Well, I think, um, I think it was Ruth who explained it very well. I, we live on various levels and on one level, I'm functioning as a non-Holocaust related person who's just active in the world quote normally I guess and on another level I'm very connected with child survivors children of survivors next generation and so this is part of that level that I wanted to explore further um, I want to share with you something very unusual that is happening here with Sally uh, left and wolf Oh my God, <laughs> she uh, was married to my sister's husband before she died. And oh my God, um, I knew her husband very well. Uh, my sister and I were very, very close. I loved her so dearly when she died, it was devastating. I wanna share with, with the group that when she died, we were very close. She passed over me at the exact moment that she died and I was sitting in a boat in Huntington Huntington um, Beach I think it was we were on a boat with my husband and my daughter and I said to my husband at the time I said my sister just died and we have to go home and we went home and sure enough the phone was ringing off the hook and it was my mother who Sally met <laughs> and, and my mother the survivor and uh, my mother said, your sister just passed away. And I said, I know, you know, I know. Was, so this is like one of the main major miracles that go that keep going on in life that mm -hmm. I have no explanation for. I think I'm here because Sally's here, basically. I think we were meant to have this kind of connection. Uh, and you didn't know each other before. Never, no, I didn't. 
I didn't know Jack passed away. Uh, he and my mother were close. He really adored my mother and vice versa. She really liked him. And Sally met my mother, which is blows my mind. Um, Came to a holiday dinner at my house and I don't remember what holiday it was. Really? Oh, this is after my dad passed away, probably. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when Esther died, it was devastating to the family because it was just one more loss and it was a terrible, horrible loss. She I mean, was so young. She was very young and she would call me in the middle of the night with, she was, she died of breast cancer. And um, it was so hard for all of us, but my parents, I think, that was the end of them. I mean, they, whatever joy that he, and fun and entertainment they had, it was over. I mean, when she passed away, that was too devastating, too traumatic for them. And for me also was very traumatic, but you know, you do, you go on, you don't ever get over these things, but you do go move forward. But um, I just want to share with the group, this is like amazing to me that um, I feel like my sister is still there watching over all of this, you know. Also talk to you. And I, what I've learned yes. by uh, meeting so many people that I have through the group, these common threads uh, keep reoccurring. They, yeah. they keep the knitting connections continue. So I am so thrilled that this could happen to both of you. And wow, that is that is such a mazel tov that you can meet together. I was matron of honor at their wedding. My sisters, because I was married at the time, I was matron of honor at Jack and Esther's wedding. So oh, wow. there you go. He's, he, I have the photographs of all of well, I'm glad I've so. recorded this because <laughs> I'm to share with the rest so, of your family. And, so there's and the I want to say, I want to say one thing. I do believe in miracles because I'm a miracle. So is Ruth. So is so are all of us. But you know, what are the chances of a Jewish child being born and surviving World War II in Europe? I mean, a million to one, six million to one. This is how I feel. That, and I've always felt that way. That that we have a responsibility to live joyfully and to live a full life. That's what I grew and up I'll, with. I'll give you, Sally, what was your, outside of what we just learned, what was, <laughs> your, what was your intent of wanting to come? What did you want to get out of today? You know, when you have those feelings inside of you that you can't identify, when you have other people that have been through the same experiences, growing up with parents who had this trauma, it makes you feel what you're feeling is more normal. And that's pretty much what I want to get out of it, to be able to open up and, and share things that you can't share with people who haven't experienced it. Interesting. Okay. And how about Sylvia? Well, first I want to, um, I have not had a chance to see that movie yet, but seeing that clip, oh my God. I grew up exactly that way. My mother always said, oh, you have a pimple. Why are your roots growing out? You're too skinny. You're too heavy. Why didn't you get an A plus? Why did you get an A minus? And I equated it with, I remember her telling me that you would pinch yourself in your face and make yourself bleed so you could get rosy cheeks. Because if you had the littlest mark, the Nazis would kill you. So I equated that with my mother wanted us to always be perfect. 
and she was very hard on my sisters and myself. Um, never beat us, but just we grew up very uh, insecure with the second generation concentration camp guilt. So I took a different take than what this mother in the film said. But what I'm why I'm attending these meetings is, um, you know, I like to see other people online and that have gone through this. And who knows, maybe I would meet some distant relative. That's what I was hoping. Like if I would love to hear that other people are from lunch, Poland or their parents were and somehow we were related. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm hoping. Well, you can also, uh, if you attend, and I know you have our have. Zoom events, there's always the opportunity to connect into a much bigger uh, group of people. So I would advocate that all of you uh, come to our events. So Ruth, what was your intention of, of coming? I, I wanted to share my feelings and hopefully help some other people to corroborate what they were feeling, that it was okay and that their memories and their feelings were um, were legitimate. They, they were not just imagining things. Now, I guess I'm the eldest here. I'm gonna be 90 next month. So I feel that I've actually lived through a lot of, um, well, I actually lived in Austria. I didn't get to a concentration camp, which I would not have gotten to. My cousins all wound up in Terezin, and the Germans kept meticulous records. So we even know the exact date that they were sent to a gas chamber uh, just before their eighth birthday. Um, we had all the details 50 years later. They, they kept uh, such good records. And Sylvia, I just wanted to say, I, uh, I wonder if the rest of you have had the same experience. There was no way I could ever live up to my mother's expectations. No way. If I was reading a book, she would say, you've got to do something more useful. If I was doing something else, she'd say, why don't you read some more? Uh, if I came home with an A in school and I was very good in school, I was an only child, so she didn't have other kids to pick on. Uh, why didn't you get an A plus? Uh, there was hardly ever a time where she was not picking on me about something. Interesting. So we, they were perfectionists we, and they wanted us to be perfect. And uh, my mother never changed. I, I got married. I had children. Whatever I did, it was never enough. The kids are dirty. Why don't you clean them up? Uh, you should really clean yourself up and look good for your husband and not worry about the children. <laughs> The, the contradictions went on forever. Even when she was dying in the hospital, she had cancer. She had a bladder cancer. I would come and visit her and she'd say, what are you doing here? You should be home taking care of your family. And if I didn't come or if I came, I skipped a day, says, you never come and see me. Uh, and she didn't have Alzheimer's. She had all her, she had all her faculties. So there was no way to ever please her. And my affection for her waned during those times. I, I loved her dearly. And yet there were times when I, I did not really want to have much to do with her. So mm -hmm. they pushed us away, I think is what Sylvia was saying. And we're different. 
Yeah, so and we need to acknowledge point? that we're different. We are not from people who were born here, whose parents were born here, whose grandparents were born in America and in England. They, right. they were safe. They were always safe. And our parents that were born in Europe knew what it like to be in mortal danger. And so we're different. So and I'm here birth- to tell you it's okay to feel Ruth, that way. Ruth, when's your birthday? But January what? Oh, it's February, February 15th. Thank you. Yeah, 1933 uh, was a very auspicious year in Germany. We had another five years in Austria where we thought we were safe. And then one day it was all over. I mean, just from one day to the next. Austria was, was unique in that we didn't have an army march in on us. We didn't have the government slowly make laws that ostracized us. From one day to the next, we were no longer considered people. We could not go anywhere, do anything. Uh, the laws were all in place from one day to the next. Carolyn, what if you could unmute yourself and tell us what's, what was your impetus to join here today and to uh, what was your mission or goal? I'm not quite sure. I'm a mixture. It's wonderful to to feel that you're not alone it's not just you it what everybody said is resonating with me and to understand more about the things of one's own upbringing and what you're saying echoes with me and the guilt um and it's the german well me it was a victorian german upbringing my father had and he brought that with him to england plus all of his loss we were brought up with a feeling of loss um of what had been lost and he hadn't wanted to leave Germany. I'm not quite sure what I want, but I know I joined the English second generation group and I know that it's, it sounds odd to say it, it's both distressing and it's comforting to, to, to well, to hear all of you, you and, and it, it's just a mixture of, I think, distress within me and a, a kind of a reassurance that yes, you know, my, my upbringing was also not what, you know, people who were born in England, uh, you're Americans, but, but it, it's different. Um, I'm not being very clear, I think. But... It's all right. It isn't, it isn't, it isn't clear, unfor- you know, fortunately and unfortunately that we live in a gray area here in this, uh, this whole Holocaust what I call the Holocaust shtick. You know, it just, uh, we all, we all are, have a common, our parents were involved in something that is undescribable. And yet when we meet each other, we instantly bond. It, I've seen this happen time and time again, because of the roots that we have come out of, it takes no time to bond with someone who shares the fundamental parental uh, side effect. And so Jackie, why did you come? Other than I asked you. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta unmute, there you go. You have to unmute, still can't hear you. Okay, why? Because I think one, I am an educator, as I say, 
Two, I think we are living terrible times. And I think I want to find a way with you, Jeffrey, with other organization to see how we are going to interpret the words that we have mentioned today. The story of a Holocaust survivor, the story of a person identified as a Holocaust survivor who is not, the story of the family, the story of the trauma lived by the unfortunately the one who have disappeared and the one who stay. That means I think again it's it's very important for me to have this transfer to generation. If you allow me, I would like now to introduce we are the tree of life. Go ahead. Okay. As I said before, it was it was uh, in 2018 with the destruction and what happened at the uh, Tree of Life synagogue that I decided to develop this project. We are the Tree of Life. And how did it start as an idea was the education of my granddaughter with a kind 11 years old with a kind of artist. And uh, after talking to her, the idea came to me and I said, you know, people have skills, like my granddaughter. And I thought about all those people who have been in camp and in concentration camp and in ghettos and find a way to survive, even if they perish, through arts and through their performing arts talents. And you know the story. Somebody was talking about Terezin. I'm sure you know about the brandy bar, uh, even in Auschwitz, they had the hidden piano and writing with That means I thought about resurrecting with my team the those names and uh, those efforts and those talents who allowed them to find their resilience, their courage, their passion, even if they were exterminated. And they are beautiful story. That means I started to compile all that as a dialogue with a long movie that we did called We Are the Tree of Life, Carry On, which is a dialogue and between two personality recognized like that, for example, the uh, executive director of the Shoah Foundation and Lauren Bernsfather, who is the director of the Holocaust Museum of Pittsburgh. That means, why am I doing that? Because the story of the Holocaust has been said, has been said, I think, has to be told now a little bit differently. And has to be done in an open way, that it is accessible. And it is mentioning the generation. That means I was able to develop this initiative very successfully, and through visuals and through concert, have a transmission of this idea, of this effort. Why? Because before the Holocaust, and we had genocide. We had the Armenian genocide. After the Holocaust, we have the Darfur, the Rwanda genocide. Today, we have, if we take, and I'm doing that very, very, very respectfully, the story of what happened in Ukraine, what do we do as individual? I don't want to say as countries because it's 
too big for me, I'm not a politician. What do we do individually for our stories? How can we help those families where effectively mother and children left and we don't know where the fathers are. We don't know if the father has others alive. That means I, I want, I, I, I met Elie Wiesel many times. I did books and, 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 and movies with Elie Wiesel and his word of, and they are his, to create a better world. That's what I want to do. I did fail, and I will I will say it frankly. I was at one international conference, uh, probably five six years ago, at USC Shoah Foundation, and um, people were coming from all over the world, professors reading their papers. And finally, I said, "Can I say something?" I say, "We have failed. We have failed by teaching the Holocaust." And why don't we stop? We review what we have done. And when I say we have failed, don't misunderstand me. We have failed with how to adjust all those stories for the better world. And we have to find a way to provide that. And we have to find a way to find the right words. And let me tell you something that I'm doing. And I will stop there. I, I have implemented, and if any of you is interested by having the files and the links of the programs that I did for these last two years, it will be my pressure. If you want to do the trailer, the film, whatever. But I'm thinking a lot about those kids of, from Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And from my Holocaust initial theme of my project, We Are the Tree of Life, I am with a, one of the largest organizations of San Diego called the Lishtag Foundation. I'm developing for February on Tubishvat a program where we are going to invite 20 to 40 to 60 kids who emigrated just recently in San Diego County from Ukraine. And I saw them holding the mother's skirts, you know, being lost. Dad is not here. And what am I doing in this country? And we are going to invite kids from Ancinitas of the same age. We are going to educate them. How the kids who doesn't know where his parent is and the kids who has a flat tire of his bicycle. It's a, it's, it's a traumatic experience. How do we respect that? Mm -hmm. We are going to do it in Tubishvat, educate them, and we are going to bring one big tree in memory of, in honor of. Because I think it's important to realize the world that we are in, and Jeffrey is doing that, and and do the best we can, the best we can. We have to think about Ukraine. I don't want to say they are the similar situation, and I am not a Holocaust survivor. I saw one Arab Jew, one 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 of my neighbor in my building with a knife. I was 12 years old with a knife in his belly and losing his, son, his blood, like you can imagine. The only thing I did was to sit as a 12-year-old next to this man and cry. There was not action. And I want to share my motivation with this other story. And it needs for ourselves to think about ourselves with Jeffrey. 
I was Hold on a going second. to a store. Hold on a second. You said you were going to stop. It, it, it's Hold important, on. Jeffrey. I know. It's I'm important. Going I'm going to come back to you. So let everyone it, understand how old you look. I'm sorry? How old are you? I am 82. Okay. I want to let everyone know the amount of energy and effort oh. that... Um, all right, let me tell my story. Let me do one. Come on, come oh, on. I gotta get I gotta get the war in, and we're running to the end of our end of our session. So I have okay, to okay, as you it. wish, because it Don't would you, have been a lesson for each of us. But okay. That's fine. If we have a few minutes, I'll let you come back to it. But I want you to put the links in so everyone in the group can go to your week tree of life um, and get a sense because it's it's abstract to everyone at this time. So please put that. Of course. Where are you here? Um, so I'm finding this group to be very important or similar groups. I should say that in, in my young adulthood, I had the need to connect with the broken part of myself, um, to connect with the victims of the show off. Of course, I couldn't meet my family who perished or were murdered, as you say, but I could meet others. So I moved to Israel in 1969. I raised my four children there. I lived there for 16 years. I worked with a tailor as an apprentice uh, who at age 16 had been shoveling out the crematoria between train loads. And he and I were sitting sewing pants for the for the kids on the kibbutz for eight hours a day for quite a quite a number of months. And he shared stories with me that he told me he never shared with his family and swore me to secrecy. And one thing that I regret when we were talking about this taping thing, I regret that I never did share with his son, the stories that he told me. I hope he did himself, but he swore me to secrecy and I did not break that um, confidentiality. I am now, I won't say it's the goal because it's not the goal, it's not the only goal, but Holocaust education has become very important to me. And I'm very grateful that I connected with Jennifer Zunikoff, who was a storytelling coach for Teach the Shoah. And she helped me share my story um, as a gift to my children on my 80th birthday. And sort of because of that, who knows why, um, but she has now asked me to, uh, share again uh, the end of January for International Holocaust Day. So on, on two different occasions, one the Israeli version and the other the American version, uh, the end of January, I will be sharing a different part of my family story, which was when I forced my mother to take me to Czechoslovakia and she didn't wanna go cause it's just stones, but we went to the Jewish cemetery and to, to my great, great, great grandfather's 
tomb because he was actually buried there. Of course, my her parents were, of course, not. But she gets to this stone, and there are her parents' names engraved on on Emanuel Schlosser's tombstone. And it was like she was rediscovering them. It is Holocaust education is very important. I agree with what people have said. And it is wonderful for me to be able to have this conversation with people who understand why something that happened far away long ago is so important in the here and now and for the future. Okay, mm -hmm. thank you. So on the wrap here, um, I want to understand from each of you, since you're obviously the pioneering foundation of, of the Havara, what kind of frequency would you like? Would you like to continue on a monthly basis? Would you like to do it on a bi-monthly basis or a quarterly basis? How frequently would you like to get together with as a group? I think monthly would work for me personally. But um, you know, I'll I'll go with whatever the group decides. Anybody else? Monthly. Monthly. Okay. Let's. Uh, anybody disagree with monthly? I uh, are you agree? Are you every, every other month might be sufficient. What's that? I said every other month might be enough. I like that. Yes. Every, every other, other month. month would be a better choice because. We also have other groups we're Zooming with oh, now. Okay. And um, it's fine. I think every other month would work better for, for okay. me personally. I'm gonna try to keep it on a Wednesday. So that's that's good. Now, the other thing I wanted to invite uh, all of can you- I, Can I say something? I, I would like to see it effectively every other month, we, but with a given timeline of purpose subjects. Mm, that it, mm -hmm. it it gets it gets organized. That means uh, we say month number one we are going to talk about the stories, and then on month number two we'll talk about that and see how we have the evolution of the subject exactly. and when to, we can perform. Let me talk to you about that offline. So that's a good suggestion, but mm -hmm. I'm not particularly good huh? at what means. Let me talk to you about that offline. I'm going I'm to quit. Not, I'm not terribly good at organization. So um, I am. I know you are. So the thing that I also want to let you know is tonight at uh, on the West Coast at six o'clock, we are doing this over with the evening session. And some of you might benefit from meeting more people. And God, uh, you know, who knows, Rosalind, there may be someone in that group that you that you may know and same for Sally. So I would invite you and if anybody who is interested in getting an RSVP for the six o'clock, I sent I put my email address in earlier in the chat. It's jeff at s-h-o-p-p-e simplenetwork.com. You may know my email already. Send me that you have an interest and I will invite you into the 6, the 6 p.m. or 9 p.m. Eastern time group um, there. So um, I want to give Jackie the exit Please give me just two minutes, Jackie. I know it's no, really no, no. I, I, I prefer not to do it now because it, it doesn't work. But right. it doesn't work. But let me take <clears> the two <throat> minutes because because I am I am Tunisian. I work with my emotion, my hands, or whatever. But I think let's go back again to our monthly time, and not only you and I, but anybody can propose 
a plan and we finalize it together and we know what we are doing. All right, that's this my is my advice. I had trouble getting on. Uh, I it asked for a password and all kinds of stuff that I've never had any problem with getting into your other sessions. Did anybody else Yeah, I had to uh, get online uh, through Facebook, my Facebook. Uh, yeah, I right. tried that, but it wanted a password and I don't remember what that was because usually uh, with Jeffrey, I just go in there and I open up the, the top. But this time it went to all kinds of things asking me for passwords. Mm -hmm. I'll check it out. A super password, which I didn't have. Yeah, I had it to get one of my daughters to help me. I couldn't do it. That's why I was 25 minutes. If you yeah, can I facilitate the entry for tonight, if you can have another link that we can get access tonight in an easier way. I don't, but okay. I will look after it. So okay, if we'll difficulty. We're all learning. <laughs> You have difficulty, you have my number. I'm going to put it right here. No. Yeah, I would love to come on tonight as well. Yeah, I'm going to be interested in that if it's West Coast, sure. Take it easy on me and just send me an email to this email address. It's already 7, 10, 30 at night for me here. Yeah, I know. Uh, it probably won't work for you. <laughs> so, no. You know, I think it's about I four in the that's morning. Why I created, that's why I created the 11 o'clock so that you could participate and Tina could participate. But I know that Actually, a lot of people here in the U.S. have the option of being in both places. So I apologize. Quite right. To you, quite right. Carolyn. So uh, hold on a second. Should I spell it right? Zoom is amazing. <laughs> yep. I always thought that we should have a national day dedicated to Zoom. <laughs> no, no, seriously, they save us. Under Zoom, and, and they have tutorials there. So <laughs> I also want to let you know that we have a new website. So I just put that in the URL as well in the chat. So I want to thank you so much. I am so honored to have to sort of be participating myself in this um, group of terrific people. I'm, I learn every time I do this. I meet every meet new people like the people here who I don't haven't known, and I have a much better understanding of you, so I can actually uh, work through the program. So thank you very much. I will make these recording the actual recording, and I will deliver that to you. If you can use it for anything you want, if you want to share it with your family. I will be putting a recording on YouTube and on Spotify and on Amazon and on Google and, 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 and. And we also have a new uh, museum called the Museum, which is designed to uh, feature all of these educational programs. And I get to then promote it online uh, with the talents that I have. So thank you very much. It's great to be together and we'll see you again in two months. And maybe some of you will join us again tonight, and I'll introduce you tonight. Thanks so much. Thank Good you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ta-da.